Well, have you had a good week? Okay, this side had a good week over here. I love it. So we'll talk to this side over here. So have, have you had a good week? There we go. I'm, I'm excited to hear that you've had a good week. I've had a uh, busy week, good week. We love uh, the week that God has given us. And, uh, you know, we talked on Wednesday nights. Uh, we're doing a series called The Life You've Always Wanted. And um, one of the elements of what we've talked about in The Life You've Always Wanted is that uh, one of the practices we have to live by is the practice of celebration. Because the Word of God actually doesn't make celebration an option. What's it say? It says rejoice, for this is the day that the Lord has made, right? This is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. So on a bad day, is that the day the Lord has made? Yes. We can rejoice because we know He's with us. We're never alone. But we have to make the choice to celebrate. And so let's make the choice to celebrate. That God is shaping us and developing us and growing us and moving us forward. And that in that, he is training us to be his obedient children. The Bible even tells us to rejoice in correction. Because our Father corrects us, right? Because of his great love. Now, if you were a good child, uh, as uh, your parents probably didn't have to correct you a whole lot... Uh, my parents, I was, I, was, I was probably the middle on being corrected. I was the middle child, the most well-adjusted middle child that you'll ever meet. Uh, but uh, for my parents, they gave up on spanking me um, because I learned how to tighten the muscles. It didn't hurt anymore. Uh, and so they didn't send me to my room because uh, I'd just go read a book. I didn't have a TV in my room. Uh, but what, here's the punishment they came up with me. Uh, which one doesn't have the TV? The living room or the family room? The living room or the family room. Okay, the, which one? The, the living room doesn't have the TV. I always get it messed up. I always get it messed up. I never know. Uh, so here, here's, I, I was always in the room that didn't have the TV. They'd make me sit in the middle of the couch. That was the punishment, the worst thing they could do to me. And, you know, our father, they, they were doing it for my own benefit. They were doing it for my benefit because if I wasn't paying attention, I wouldn't. And so what do we have to learn how to do as children of God? Rejoice in the day that he has made. Rejoice in it. It might not go the way you want it to, but he's there for us, right? And so let's just continue. And if you, I want to encourage you, if you don't join us on Wednesday nights, I understand we've got work, we've got class, we've got kids. Listen, we've, we've had some wonderful Wednesday night teachings. And this past Wednesday night with Steve Hogue, he, uh, he really spoke, not just his message, but he shared a, he shared a, a word from his wife who was in Florida. She, she sent a text of what she felt like God was saying for us at that moment. And, um, the word, the word that she shared aligned perfectly with what I had just been speaking with Pastor Yvonne and, and a couple others on staff uh, that previous day about uh, we're really wanting to make a space where people can respond to God. We, you know, Sunday mornings, we, we have great altar times, we have great ministry, uh, but Wednesday nights, we're, we're looking at, at making a little shift. And we're, we're, we're praying about how we're going to do that, how we're going to make that, but making it more of an encounter night where we can have time just resting in God's presence, continue to pray for needs, continue. But if we're going to be a Pentecostal church, which we are going to be a Pentecostal church, then we need to make space for God. We need to make opportunity. And so continue to pray alongside us with that. And I really believe that as we faithfully pursue an authentic Pentecostal experience, that we're going to continue to be led in the direction God is taking us, and he's going to respond. Amen? 
Amen. So I, I'm excited about all that God's doing. I'm excited about uh, all that God has done already. We've had a great weekend. We've got some friends in town. Uh, I shared with you they were coming to join us just to... Uh, to have a, a weekend conversation about uh, possibly coming on staff with us as family pastors. And so after service, if you'd like to greet them, we'd love to have you just uh, say hi. They'll be out in the foyer. Actually, I have, have to go get their little girl. Uh, and she's a cutie, and uh, she's all sorts of friendly. And so, uh, But we are so happy to have them with us today. And so if you would stop by in the foyer later on and greet them, just make, themselves, make, your, uh, make yourselves known. Uh, we're, we're so happy to have uh, our friends with us today. It's been a good, very good weekend for us. And so we're trusting God for great things. You know, sometimes there's stuff that we have to do as a church that requires us to move before we see, before we see the outcome. So we've talked about uh, some of the stuff we're doing here as a church. We're, we're getting ready to make a change. I'll, I'm going to give you guys a heads up. I like to give you guys a heads up before we make changes to stuff. Um, so like before we, gave, before we put our new lighting boxes in here, I gave you a heads up. Before we put this in here, I gave you a heads up. The hospitality room back over here, we're going to turn that into just a general meeting room. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put a new table in there, change the decor. And here's why we're doing it. It's because we're preparing the house to receive more babies. We're going to prepare the house to receive more babies. So I've told you we're going to turn a room over here into a new mom's room. We're going to take what's currently the boardroom, and we're going to turn it back into a nursery. Because we believe that God is going to bring us more young families. And that we need to be ready to receive more young families. And so, absolutely. We're going to take steps to prepare ourselves for God doing something new here. When I said we need to come with a sense of expectancy, that's how I lead. I expect that God's going to do something new. And so what do we have to do? We have to prepare ourselves. We're going to prepare our house for new guests. We're going to prepare our house for new families. We're going to prepare our house for new babies. And I love babies. I love babies. Babies are fun. And so if you have a baby and you, they fuss in the church, don't worry. As long as you, as long, well, actually, you might, as long as you don't throw something at my head while I'm preaching, I'm okay. The noise doesn't bother me. And so, but let's believe God for great things. Amen. Let's believe God for great things. This morning, I want to talk to you um, about missions. Now, you, you probably have picked up from me here in the last uh, eight months that I love missions. I love missions. And this is a great message this morning for me because it gives me an opportunity to talk to you about why I love missions. This is important as your pastor. I know this church already loves missions. We, we support, we, we supported, uh, I forget how many missions, missionaries we supported before I came. We supported 40 plus missionaries before I came. There's already a great missions giving church. We've sent so, so many trips out. We love working with ministries around the world. But I want you to hear the heart of, of your pastor today to understand why I think we need to continue to grow and increase in missions because I really believe it's part of the heart of our Father. And so this morning, I want to talk about the why of missions. Why do we support missions? You know, the theme is the beyond borders. And I love, I think Adrian and the missions team have done such a good job of uh, preparing us. Wednesday night, again, I talk about Wednesday nights a lot. We had a dessert reception um, afterwards. You never fail with food. People come out for food. And there were so many good desserts. Uh, I know which one my favorite was. It was the, those little almond cookie things. And uh, it, those things were good. Those were good. And so listen, when we say we're going to have food, people know how to cook here. You should come. But I want you to hear why I think missions is so very important. You know, really, as we talk about it, um, you're going to hear today my thoughts, my heart, 
why this is valuable. And maybe you've never thought about missions very much. You say, sure, we take an offering every month. Sure, we have a number of missionaries. We've got all our flags up, which represent the different countries that come to this church. We, we, we have a missions wall. We have, we, we have all of these great things. But maybe you've never thought about the importance of U.S. missions, world missions. Maybe you've never thought about it. And this morning, I want to encourage you. Let God speak to your heart today. Let God challenge you to change your perspective. I came from a church previously that missions was not a big deal. They didn't support missions. The, the philosophy uh, in many people's minds was we should take care of home first. We should take care of home first. Well, here, i got to be honest with you. We should take care of home. But if all we ever do is look at ourselves, we're going to miss the broader need within our communities, within our world. We're going to miss what God is doing around the world and throughout the United States. And we cannot just look at ourselves. We have to be an outwardly focused church. We have to be a church that looks beyond just our own needs. Because if all we ever look at is our own needs, guess what? We've become a country club. We don't want to be a country club, do we? No. We want to be a church that reflects the heart of our Father. We want to be a church that reflects the heart of Jesus, that reaches out that gives generously, and so we're going to talk about why we need to do it. The first thing I want to tell you is that it's expected. Missions is expected in the kingdom of God. Uh, Matthew 28, 19, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's expected that we're going to go. Where are we going to go? It says to go to all nations. Some nations? Just your nation? No. It says all nations. You know, one of the in interesting things as you look at it, the Assemblies of God was founded on missions. It's one of our core tenets as a, as a, as a movement. Uh, and now we are experiencing an interesting phenomenon here in the United States. More and more countries are sending missionaries to the United States. And for years, we've thought, ourse thought of ourselves as a Christian nation, and more and more countries are recognizing that the lost are here. And we need to do this stuff. And so if we work cooperatively as the kingdom of God to reach other nations and other nations help us, guess what? We are fulfilling the great commission as God has directed us. And I genuinely believe, this isn't original to me, that the, a commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will make a great church. When we learn how to live focused on the needs of others, not just people that we know, not just people that we're going to meet, but when we learn how to focus on the needs of others, it moves our heart in a way that we do not expect it to do. So first we have to understand is that missions is expected. Go to all the nations. Make disciples. Make disciples. All the nations. Every place. It's an expect expectation in the kingdom of God. The second thing we have to remember is that it's needed. It's needed, and this is such, a, such an important part for us to remember. It's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That's Mark 2.17. Jesus came for those that have not yet heard of him. On your way in today in your bulletin, there was this, this little fact sheet. Um, this, is, this is fascinating to me. When you look at it, it talks about all of the different places that we have connected uh, around the world. I, I love uh, every 29 seconds, a new believer is added to the kingdom of God. 
One new church is planted every 63 minutes. One new minister is enlisted every 43 minutes. The Assemblies of God worldwide comprises nearly 1% of the world's population. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. But here's the thing that's really fascinating to me. In Latin America, in the, the, the Caribbean, there's 646 unreached people group. That means that they haven't heard the word of God. They haven't heard the gospel. It's not available in their language. There's nobody in their community that knows about Jesus. In Europe, there's 991 unreached people groups. In Africa, there's 1,344 unreached people groups. In Asia, there's 1,095 unreached people groups. In Northern Asia, there's 474. In Eurasia, there's nearly five thousand unreached people groups. It's so very easy for us to think sometimes that Jesus must be coming back soon because there's so much Christianity in the world. There's nearly 5,000 unreached people groups in the world today. Think of the opportunity that we have to share the gospel. Think of the opportunity. There is such a deep need to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. There's such a deep need for us to continue. But it's easy. I love the comment. I love the comment one of our missions team members made this week after, after going out to lunch. They went out to lunch last week with Terry Hoggard. And here's what they said to me uh, during the week. They said, Pastor, I love being able to meet and talk to all these missionaries because it reminds me how much of a bubble I live in. You know, sometimes we can think that the gospel's been preached everywhere. We can think that everybody's heard about Jesus. How could somebody not hear about Jesus? But there's people in our own community. They've never heard the gospel. But think of those around the world. There's, there's individuals, the, the, the gospel is not even available in their language. How are they going to hear unless somebody goes? How are they going to hear unless somebody helps them out? How, is some, how are they going to go? How are they going to hear the message of the gospel unless we take the blessings that God has given us and use it to bless someone else? There are so many unreached people groups in the United, not in the United States. There are unreached people groups in the United States, but around the world that that has become the primary focus of our missions uh, in the, in the, in the uh, AGs, in the Assemblies of God. We are focusing on reaching unreached people groups so that the gospel can continue to spread. Because here's the thing that we sometimes forget. We sometimes forget that what we do with missions what we do with preaching the gospel around the world impacts eternity and when Jesus is coming back. Now, we'll get to that in just a moment, but I want us to understand there is a huge need in this world. There's a huge need in this world, and it's easy for us to forget that sometimes. I, uh, when I went to Tanzania a couple years ago, I met a gentleman. His name was Simba. Simba was uh, 67 years old, farmer, uh, farmer, by choice, he, he did IT support by trade, um, and he was a minister going through a he's going through a, a leadership class I was teaching, and um, I said, "Well, Simba, what do you what do you do?" He goes, "I'm I'm building a church, I'm building a church," and uh, 
I said, oh, okay. So in the United States, you say you're building a church, you're thinking construction crews, right? You've got your contracting. No, he was literally building a church brick by brick on his property. And he goes, when my church is finished, then I'll be able to continue to reach more people. I said, well, what are you doing as a minister? What are you, you know, because he was, he was already working with the, with the Tanzanian Assemblies of God. He was going into the small tribes and towns in villages and preaching the gospel. And this man, 67 years old, would spend six days a week traveling after work. He was well, sometimes I don't get there until 9 or 10 o'clock at night. We'll have church at 10. We'll go until 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And then I'll make it home about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. I'll sleep for an hour or two. And then I'll go to work the next day. He goes, but I don't do it on Saturdays because Saturdays is when I'm building my church. He's reaching people that would never be reached. He's reaching communities that would never be reached. He's reaching places that we would never have the opportunity to go. I don't speak Swahili. Do you? There's such a need in this world. There's such a need in this world that we need to participate with what God is doing. The other thing we have to remember is that we've been equipped. We've been equipped for missions. Acts 1.8, it's one of our favorite verses as a Pentecostal church, isn't it? It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And a lot of churches stop there. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But what's the rest of the verse say? It says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In Jerusalem. You know where Jerusalem is? That's your local area. You'll be my witnesses in your hometown. You'll be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria. That's your country. That's your state and your country. And to the ends of the earth, that's the rest of this world. Listen, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit for daily living, but we receive it for the purpose of witnessing. God has equipped us. He has equipped us. Now, does that mean all of us need to go to the missions field? No, not necessarily. But it might mean some of us need to. You know, God's still calling people today. God's still calling people today. 80% of those that are currently on the missions field were called before the age of 12. That's why I value children's and youth ministry. Because that's where God's calling people. Because as we get older, what do we do? We get more set in our ways. It's not that God doesn't use us. We pre- I shared with the prime timers on, on, on Thursday that God, we don't retire from ministry, do we? We're always declaring God's power to the next generation, Psalm 71, 18. We're always declaring, even when we're old and gray. But there's some things that we might not be able to physically do. But we all are called to participate in what God's doing. We're all called to participate in what God's doing. It doesn't matter if it's big or small. It matters that you are participating. Because God has equipped us for that purpose. God has equipped us for that purpose. We might think sometimes that it's not our responsibility, but I'm here to tell you as your pastor, it really is. It really, really is to participate with what God is doing. Now, I said that uh, what we do affects when Jesus comes back. And really, that's our, 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 our next slide. It says it's the beginning of the end. It's the beginning of the end, believe it or not. Um, when we support missions, when we partner with ministries around the world, we're helping Jesus to come back. Because here's what it says in Matthew 24, 14. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. 
Have you ever thought of missions as being important to the end times? Your faith promise, you're going on a trip, you partnering and praying with other missionaries. We've probably never thought of it that way. But do you know, when we reach the world, when it has been preached, when the gospel has been preached to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. You know, I grew up in the, I, I, I grew up in church, and in the 80s, you heard a whole lot more mess, messages on the end times. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't preach a whole lot on end times. We, 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 we focus a little bit differently. But here's what I want us to understand. We are partners with the work of God around this world. We are partners with what God is doing. He has chosen the church as his vehicle for reaching the lost and transforming this world. That's why it's so important to me that we as a church participate with missionaries. That's why every month we have a different missionary here in church with us so that we can hear what God is doing. And I hope that you're seeing that missionaries, it's not just missionaries going to foreign missions field, although that is very important. But what have we had so far? We had, this month, we had Terry Hoggard here with us who worked planting international churches to those that wouldn't find a church in their own language. We had, last month, we had John Palmer here who's a missionary with Emerge Ministry that provides counseling services to those that are in ministry. We had, we've had missionaries that are going to Durban, South Africa. You remember Adam Fogelman is going to South Africa to plant an international church because the world is closer than it has ever been. You know, we have missionaries that serve on college campuses that are impacting international ministries. Terry Hoggard shared with us last week about uh, the university, uh, I forget which university, in Evanston, Indiana, or Illinois, the, the, uh, Warren Buffett's wife gave a hundred million dollars to the university to make them uh, reach out to international students more. The world's coming to us. We have missionaries on college campuses around this country. We have a missionary that we've picked up for support that he's reaching out to human traffic victims in Las, Las Vegas. We have all sorts of missionaries that we're partnering with that are reaching the lost in places that we would never have the opportunity to go. And as we do that, we are propelling the mission of God forward. We are moving in such a powerful way as part of that, 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 that ministry and that movement. And so here's the three things I'd like us to consider as a church as we support missions. The first thing I'd ask us to do, we need to pray. We need to pray for our missionaries. Every missionary that comes, what do they, we ask them, how can we partner with you? The first thing they all say is, will you pray with us? Will you pray with us? I've got a great uh, missionary story about Kevin and Karen Provost. They, uh, they were ministering in Spain. They were ministering in Spain, and uh, they were in a meeting. And after the meeting, people were standing around talking to each other. Uh, you know, as we do here in church, they're standing around talking to each other. And their three-year-old son, Daniel, you know how church kids are, you've watched Bennett running around, was running around and not paying attention and ran out into the street. He ran out of the street, he didn't look for cars. And just at that moment, a car was coming down the street. It was heading right for Daniel, and the driver of the car did see Daniel and braked as hard as he could, but he couldn't stop. You heard the sound of screeching tires, and everyone was standing around wondering what happened. 
The driver had tried to stop, but he couldn't. He tried to swerve to avoid hitting Daniel, but it was too late. The car hit Daniel and threw him into the air, and he landed several yards away on the pavement. The family saw the car coming, but they couldn't respond fast enough. Kevin and Karen immediately began praying for Daniel and called out to God for his hand to be on Daniel. And when they got to Daniel, they were expecting a bruised and bleeding child. But a miracle had happened. They found Daniel lying on the ground with barely a scratch on him. It was as though the hand of God had caught him and protected him. They went to the hospital, made sure everything was okay. And Karen and Kevin were able to testify of God's hand on their son's life. Now, a few years later, the provosts were ministering in a church in Michigan. And a woman named Katrina McCormick introduced herself to them and relayed the other side of the story. Katrina and her husband, Jeff, had adopted the provosts as their missionary family and had prayed faithfully for them for 11 years. One Sunday morning in June, a few years earlier, as the church service was coming to a close, they were lingering at the altar, and God gave them a heavy burden to pray for the family. Individually, they responded, praying for each family by name, not knowing that the other was also the same, praying for the same thing. It was a month later that they received word of the accident that Daniel had been spared from. Here's the thing we need to remember. When our missionaries ask us to pray for them, it's a real way to partner with them. Sometimes we think prayer is not really work. Let me tell you, it really is. It makes a big difference in the lives of our missionaries. Pray for our missionaries. We have a missions wall out here, you might not be aware of it, that, we, that Adrian places all of our, our missionary newsletters. We get updates from our missionaries on the field, and they share prayer requests. Stop by there, write them down. Pray for our missionaries. If you want to, if you want to get, pray, we'll get, we'll order prayer cards for all of our missionaries. We have our prayer, our missions prayer book. Talks about them, fam, talks about their families. Grab one. Pray for them weekly because we never know at what moment what danger they are facing. We have missionaries that we support that we can't even tell you what country they're in for fear of them being arrested and detained or worse. Pray for our missionaries. That's the first thing that we have to do as a church. Pray for our missionaries. The second thing that we need to do, we need to give. We need to pray, we need to give. Now, here's the thing that you won't hear me say. I will never tell you how much you should give. That's not for me to do. That's between you and God. But you are to give. It's not about the amount. We see that in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 and 40 to 44, when the widow gives her last two coins. She gave more than those that gave out of their riches. She didn't give as much monetarily, but she gave more because she gave all that she had. It's never about the amount. I will tell you this. When we pick up a missionary, we pick them up at at least $100 a month. That's what we pick them up. And so we do have a monthly obligation. And when we 
receive faith promises, that lets us know how many missionaries we're going to be able to continue to support. But I'm not going to tell you how much to give because that's between you and God. Heather and I, we were talking last week of what do we want to do? How much do we want to give? We have a couple of missionaries that we support outside the church. We, have, we also make a, a regular faith promise. And we both came up with the same number separately. That's why we always know when it's God. That's why I ask you to pray about how much you're called to give. Because I believe we're all called to give. But not all of us can give the same amount, but all of us can give with the same heart and the same intent. I'll tell you, you might only be able to do $5 a month. $60 a year makes a difference. $60 a year makes a difference. Every dollar given makes a difference. And sometimes you might say, you know, Pastor Spencer, I'll give, I just don't want to write down an amount. Well, I'm going to give you this uh, just encouragement. It's really hard to hit a goal if you don't have one. It's really hard to hit a target if you're not aiming at anything. A faith promise is a commitment between you and God on what you're trusting him to bless you with, to be able to do. It might just be a couple dollars a week, but guess what? God sees the heart in the intent and he blesses it. Let's be people that bless other people. Because the economy of God is different than the economy of this world. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 48. It says, you've heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other. If someone wants to sue you, take your tunic and let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. We don't just bless those that bless us. We don't just give to those that can give back. We give and bless others that have nothing to offer us in return. We will never hear a thank you from many of the people that we help, and that's okay. We will never know the impact. But here's the thing. The economy of God is different than the economy of this world. You don't give a dollar to get a dollar. We give a dollar because that's what God does. God blesses us so that we can bless others. Give more above and beyond. King Solomon is, is renowned when the, the, uh, for his wisdom. But when the Queen of Sheba came to visit him, she brought literally millions of dollars of gifts to him. And when she left, the Word of God tells us that when she left, she left with more than she came with. Solomon heaped blessings on her from hospitality and gifts. We're called to give generously. Sometimes we're worried about our own needs. But who's going to worry about your needs? Jesus. Jesus will worry about your needs. Let him worry about your needs. 
You worry about living the life that he's called you to live. And he'll bless you. We're called to pray. We're called to give. Next thing that I believe we're called to do is we're called to go. We're called to go. We had a team recently return uh, from Compact Family Services in Arkansas. And I want to just have a moment uh, for a couple of our team members, Allie and, and Odinia, right? Odalyn, 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 sorry, are going to come and share. Could you, could you, ladies, could you come and share with us? I know I saw Allie. Oh, there you go. Um, come and share, come and share with us. Because I want to, I want, here's, I can stand here and tell you how much a life will be impacted through going on a missions trip. But I would, I, I want for Odalyn and, and um, Allie to share with you just the impact of the ministry that they are a participant in in, uh, in Arkansas. And then after service, the team will be out in the foyer. They've got a board, maybe you've seen it out there, uh, with pictures of their event. And so uh, we're going to take a couple minutes for each one. So, Odalyn, since you're closest to me, you, you get to go first. Oh, wonderful. Okay, so again, my name is Odalyn Lewis. The... Hello, hello. My name is Odalyn Lewis, and I was a team member on a recent trip to Hot Springs, Arkansas, to the Compact Center. And I was led by the fact that the mission says of the Compact Center that the mission is to redeem the fatherless and the family through compassionate action. So I found the trip transformative in a number of ways. Uh, the salient feature or the takeaway for me was it was a teaching moment that missions is love in action. That this is the photo of what God wants us to do. Uh, just a couple of notes here. So the team members all had complementary skill sets. That couldn't have been planned. We <laughs> could never have pulled anything off the way we did uh, with a plan. So the team had these complementary skill sets uh, and it was truly the hand of God working because I didn't know exactly what I was doing and neither did all of us exactly, but collectively we were able to put together such a fabulous festival for those children. From my husband, Zach, he coordinated ground transportation <laughs> unwittingly. Unwittingly, uh, Pastor Yvonne and Adrian led the trip and kept the team focused and on task to Rosalind Washington. She had such creativity and craftsmanship. She led the festival's game day activities. Patrick Hall, his ingenuity and just general know-how. He just knows stuff. Uh, to our millennials on the trip, it was a pleasure to be in their company. Uh, Gabrielle and Allison, they were just wonderful and connected beautifully with the teen girls who admired and looked up to them simply because they gave them eye contact. Uh, we saw love in action. And when we were boarding the plane, I happened to mention to a young lady uh, who inquired. She saw us a collection of African Americans and Caucasian people. And she said, where are you going? And I explained to her that we were heading on a missions trip to Hot Springs, Arkansas, to uh, this uh, home for children. And she just pulled out $40 and handed it to me. Hmm. And I said, oh, you don't have to do that. We have funds and everything's fine. She says, no, take this. This is such good work. And I want to encourage this work. So I took the $40 and put it in the mission uh, 
offering. So that was wonderful. So that was the generosity of a complete stranger who shared and uh, provided that $40, insisting I take it. And so uh, to make a long story short, we just saw love in action. We know that love is an action word. We know that it's a noun and a verb, and we saw God's love in action. Amen. Amen. want to thank everybody who uh, kept us in prayer. We really were blessed by this experience, even on our traveling, having to take four, uh, four different planes, two there and two back, just praying for your uh, travel mercies. We were really all blessed by this experience, especially myself. Um, this was my first missions trip. Um, I actually just finished school from nursing, got my nursing degree this past summer. So uh, when I heard about the trip to go to Hot Springs, I was <laughs> pretty excited. Um, Especially, I love kids, so I was glad to be a part of the opportunity to go. And Compact is such a wonderful organization. Um, we were able to do several different projects while we were down there. Um, and I pastor talking firsthand about faith promises, being on the other side, being sent, seeing how what you're giving truly does. Um, we were able to paint one of the um, cottages on campus, which was a home for uh, special needs boys, um, and it, that was just a blessing in itself, and uh, also to be able to work in the warehouse down there. They actually have a warehouse, which is similar to our House of Blessing here on campus, where kids can come in and um, whether whatever they're in need of clothes, toiletries, they can go there and be supplied. So we had the opportunity to go there, organize, and help Miss um, Betty in the warehouse there. And um, what else do we get to do? Um, painting. Yes, the 5K, and uh, that's something I remember uh, how blessed the kids were on Saturday. That was We went down there and we said, what, what is it that we can help you with? And they said it was their f big fall festival, so that was what we planned for, and that's something I'll just remember, seeing the kids, how happy they were, their smiles on their faces. They really, truly were blessed by what we did there on Saturday, and um, just it was just a great opportunity to serve. Ladies, would you agree going on a missions trip is, uh, it's, it's eye-opening and transformative for yourself, not, not, just for, not just for those that you're ministering to, but you're ministered to probably as much, if not more, from the opportunity. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Can we give them a hand? We have... I'd love for all the team to be able to share, but uh, obviously we don't have time for that. But they'll be out in the foyer, and so please stop by. Thank you, ladies, so much for being here, and thank you for sharing. It was, it was Pastor Yvonne's first missions trip as well. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's never an, a matter of when. Uh, we, we've got all sorts of opportunities. Next year, we've got two. We're actually working on a third potential missions trip, too. We've got two missions trips that we're doing next year. We've got one uh, in late February, or early February, late January, where we're going to uh, Las Vegas uh, to work with uh, a ministry that is rescuing uh, women out of human trafficking. Uh, and then we have another one where we're going to Mexico uh, in August to work with the Abusios who we had out here in April, I believe. Uh, and so we're going to work with them. And then we're looking at doing one in Denver, um, potentially July, in July, uh, where we'll be helping an inner city ministry uh, with a kids camp. And so uh, we have all sorts of opportunities. But here are the three things that we ask people to do. Pray, give, and go. God has called us to be a part of the ministries of this world. 
God has called us to be a part of reaching the lost, and he has equipped us to do that. It's needed. It's part of ushering Jesus in. It's part of the the end times. If we believe Jesus is coming back soon, then we better get busy. We better get busy reaching the lost. And it's what he has called us to do. And so if we will all pray for the lost, if we will all pray for our missionaries around the world, if we will give to support the ministries around the world and here in the United States, we will be able to reach more. And if we will go, if we will go, we will be part of the work of transforming this world for God. Listen, we don't ask The expectation is never for anybody to do all of it. Nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. Everybody can do something. That's why it's not about the amount. It's about the ability and the heart. God has blessed us greatly. God has blessed us greatly so that we can bless others. And our faith promise, your faith promise is the fuel that fans the flame of the gospel around the world. That's why here up front we have two baskets. We have two baskets, uh, and there's seven candles around each basket, uh, one for each continent in this world. Now, these candles aren't lit, and we're... Since this is the baskets we're going to receive on our faith promises in, I thought lighting them was probably dangerous. Uh, And so we're not going to light them. But your faith promise is what ignites the flame. It fuels the flame of the gospel around the world. Your giving enables us to partner with ministries around the world. Last week, here's a great example. Last week, one of our, our, our volunteers asked me what we were doing for Puerto Rico because of the hurricane. We're partnering with disaster relief ministries. We're already partnering with them. Your faith promise doesn't just go to pay missionary salaries. It does partially go to that, but missionaries have to raise monthly support for their budget. They have to raise money for their, for their travel, for their ministries. It gives us the ability to give money to projects around the world. We've, this, this year, since August, since August, we've given $35,000 to different projects to reach the lost. We sent kids to kids camp in the Middle East. We gave money to Hurricane Harvey. We gave money to plant churches. We have done these things through your faithful giving. Why do we do that? Because we're partnering with others that will minister in places we will never be able to go. God has called us. This is our Jerusalem right here. Lakewood, Tom's River, Brick, Howe, Jackson, all of these are our Tom's, these, 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 these are our Jerusalems. But we're called to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We can't all go, but we can support it and we can partner with it. 